0: Welcome to The Animated Journey, a podcast featuring interviews with animation professionals working in television, film, and games. I'm your host, Angela Ensminger.
1: And I'm Jeff Schutze.
0: How you doing, Jeff? I'm doing well. Very good. Glad to have you back.
1: Yes, it's good to be back.
0: Yeah, so there's a lot going on in the news. So the biggest news story is that Stan Lee has passed away at the age of 95. It's very sad and... You know, our hearts go out to his friends and family, all of our condolences. He had a pretty amazing life.
1: Yeah, that's for sure. And that's gonna be a big hole in pop culture, you know, that he is gone now.
0: Absolutely. It's because of him that we have Marvel as it is today. We have Spider-Man, we have X-Men, we have Thor, we have Black Panther, we have Fantastic Four. Without him and the artists that drew those comics, we wouldn't have any of this. I mean, there's been so many movies, television shows, games, apparel, and not just things that he's created, but people that grew up watching and reading about the characters that he helped to create, they've then gone off and created their own things. And so it just became this whole thing. You know, he leaves just this wonderful legacy.
1: Oh, yeah. And I'm so happy he got to see his creations, how big they actually became. Because, of course, they were huge in comics. But now, once they became part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and with the Avengers breaking records, and all these movies breaking records, and him making cameos in all these movies, <laughs> which was always so fun to see, you know, he really got to enjoy his creations becoming gigantic, gigantic cultural icons
0: i'm glad too because i was reading in the hollywood reporter that he had said once that he thought he was a failure because he was talking about how you know other people are doing all these really important things and i'm just writing these stories but stories really matter and he really did help out a lot of people i mean he helped out millions of people that he'll never meet just Mm -hmm. because You know they were having a bad day or they were sick or they were going through a tough time and they were able to read these stories and just really be encouraged by that
1: oh yeah and we have to mention you know Steve Ditko and Jack Kirby who also helped Stan Lee with these characters and other artists too but yeah he made a huge mark on culture like you're saying
0: absolutely so again rest in peace Arts go out to friends and family.
1: For our next item, Netflix is setting up an animation studio. I got this from Animation Magazine. Streaming giant Netflix continues to lead the accelerating charge for original adult animation, with sources telling The Hollywood Reporter that an in-house animation studio is in the works in order to better monetize its programming. The news comes as Netflix announces renewals for its Emmy-nominated BoJack Horseman, hit video game adaptation Castlevania, and sloppy cop sitcom Paradise PD. The platform has ordered 10-plus new adult-targeted tunes this year. Wow. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah,
0: so this is something that's been swirling around in the animation community for a couple of months now, so it's very cool that it's officially been announced to the world that there is a new player in the game of animation, which is fantastic to everyone in animation because that means more shows, which means more jobs, which means more stories, which means more shows. It's just just one big circle,
1: I love it. Exactly, that is gonna be so cool. And it gives competition to the other studios, like Disney with this streaming service that will just, like you said, it's gonna create more jobs even with them because all this competition's just gonna create more and more content, it's great.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So I look forward to seeing and hearing
1: about all their future shows. Okay, another interesting news item this week is that the news anchors at China's state-run news agency have perfect hair and no pulse. That is the headline. <laughs> that is a horrifying <laughs> from the headline. the Washington Post. Yes. <laughs> they made this CGI anchor that has an artificial voice and artificial intelligence that will learn your voice. I read something that if it hears your voice for 10 minutes, it can mimic it. Maybe not perfectly, but it'll sound like you, which is just terrifying. (laughs) (laughs) So
0: on the one hand, I find this absolutely amazing. And it is a testament to human ingenuity that we are at the point now where we've created artificial intelligence and we can create a simulated person that looks and sounds like a person because you showed me this video and it's it's stunning. It's pretty amazing how well it functions. And I also commend them because it doesn't have that weird, uncanny valley feeling that a lot of CGI, realistic-looking people have. So on the one hand, I definitely want to have the Isaac Asimov view of, oh, you know, this is beautiful and wondrous. But on the other hand, you know, I think of Carl Sagan and I think of um, 2001 of, oh, this just might be Hal. Oh,
1: yeah. yeah.
0: And then, you know, I've seen Terminator way too many times. so I'm like, OK, this is the beginning of the end.
1: Yes, we're building Skynet. We're building
0: Skynet as we speak, but I don't want to prevent anybody from, from creating because yes. this might end up being a really, really cool thing or at least just an interesting test. Or it could be the downfall of us all. We'll find out.
1: (laughs) Either way. Like, it's going to be one of those. Or maybe it'll
0: just be, it's always one or the other. It might just be in between. Yeah. Neither good nor bad. Just another tool
1: that we can use for various purposes. It reminds me of that episode of BoJack where they scan BoJack's body and face oh and then they right, just use,
0: yeah. <laughs> use
1: that like cgi character to put in a yeah, movie and... yeah yeah
0: they end up having him in the secretariat movie right right
1: yeah i feel like that is what is going to happen that's the future yeah and it's kind of already happening when you see mm-hmm. tupac you know doing concerts with yeah. its hologram and sony has their own oh i can't remember what her name is but they have an anime character that does concerts in japan that sell out to huge crowds wow so yeah you know playstation vr has her in vr that you can go to her concerts and watch her and it's very strange
0: that is really interesting actually huh all right so now we're going to tell you about something serious going on in the gaming industry so as all of you know who've been listening to our podcast for a while we often report on lawsuits and labor disputes and anything going on within the animation or gaming communities so we have a big story for you here and this is from Game of Sutra, where current and former employees have filed a class action lawsuit against Riot Games. So the lawsuit alleges that Riot Games allowed gender-based discrimination and promoted an environment catering to putting male employees first. The lawsuit comes three months after several current and former Riot employees pulled back the curtain hiding a toxic workplace environment which ultimately drives women out of the studio. The plaintiffs include former Riot employees Jessica Negron and current employee Melanie McCracken, who claim they want to prevent Riot from creating, encouraging, and maintaining a work environment that exposes its female employees to discrimination, harassment, and retaliation on the basis of their gender or sex. So this is a big deal, and honestly, I believe this is a good step in the right direction because everybody should be able to work in a positive way work environment where they're not going to be harassed based on their gender or their gender expression or their race or their age. You should be able to just go to work and do your job and be rewarded for the good work that you do regardless of who or what you are. And the fact that these women are saying that if you're a woman, A, you might be harassed and B, you're not going to be paid as well and not get opportunities that you deserve That's a really terrible thing. So it's good that this is coming to light. And as we have reported in the past, a lot of people now are coming forward with things that are going on in their workplaces, which I know that it's coming hard and fast a lot of the times and it can be really depressing to hear about this stuff, but ultimately this is a good thing because what it does is it forces people to realize everybody needs to be treated with respect and everybody needs to be paid the same. Absolutely.
1: (laughs) Yeah, this has just been going on for so long and we keep hearing about this in the news. And I have a feeling that these lawsuits are going to have to keep coming up until these companies change their ways. We reported on this, like you said, a couple months ago about, you know, unfair practices at Riot Games. And just kind of keeping my eye on the story, I kept reading how Riot Games... Kept putting out press releases like, oh, we are going to change our ways. We're bringing in people in HR and into the company that will help with this culture, you know, this toxic culture. But nothing seemed to get done. And so because of that, I think these women did have to file this class action lawsuit because, you know, what else is going to happen? They're just going to keep doing what they're doing. You know, right Games is just going to keep going on this path as long as they can get away with it it seems like
0: yeah so this is good that this is happening and it's not mm-hmm. just in it's not just in games i mean this happens in every industry mm-hmm. and it's good it's really good for people to speak up and it can be very difficult because Sometimes you get blacklisted, or you might get harassed online, or people then want to retaliate against you and not hire you, which is terrible. And that does happen to people. Unfortunately, it shouldn't happen to people. Hopefully, it will not happen to these women or anybody else, man or woman, who's going to be filing a lawsuit or who's going to be a whistleblower and speak out. Mm -hmm. But ultimately, it requires people to have this kind of courage in order to speak out, because that is going to help. Everyone. That will help women. That will help minorities. You know, it may even help men. It'll just end up helping the entire industry become a place that everybody wants to work in. Because we're making entertainment. We've said this before. We're making entertainment. We're Mm -hmm. making cartoons. We're making games. We're doing something that's intrinsically fun. If you're going to work and being treated like garbage, that's no longer fun. No. So I say, good for these women. And... As the story progresses, and as we hear of other things going on, we will make sure to let y'all know.
1: Okay, so let's transition to box office news. So according to BoxOfficeMojo.com, The Grinch is smiling with a $66 million opening. And also, Venom, which we talked about on the show before, debuted at $111 million in China. So that is awesome. With an estimated sixty-six million universal and illuminations, Dr. Seuss the Grinch topped the weekend box office. The performance currently ranks as the third largest opening weekend for an animated title in November behind the Incredibles, which was at seventy point four million, and Frozen, which debuted to sixty seven point thirty nine million. So that's pretty pretty good. Good for them. Good yeah. for them. That's awesome. You saw the Grinch.
0: I did, and we'll talk
1: about that in our next segment. Cool. also i wanted to talk about the money being brought in from video games we talked about red dead redemption 2 on an earlier podcast and i just wanted to go over how much money that game earned in its first weekend on sale so this is from the hollywood reporter on tuesday rockstar games announced red dead redemption 2 earned a record-breaking 725 million dollars during its first weekend on sale the highly anticipated open-world video game set records for largest ever pre-orders, largest first-day sales, and largest sales for the first three days in market on the PlayStation network, according to Rockstar, which cited Sony. Red Dead Redemption 2 is the second-highest-grossing entertainment launch of all time behind Rockstar's Grand Theft Auto V, which achieved over $1 billion in retail sell-through in three days.
0: That's amazing. That's incredible. That's How? Like, how does... I mean, I I get how, but just... The idea that... Not even just the fact that it's a game, but just that anything could make that amount of money in such a short period of time just blows my mind.
1: Oh, yeah. And the funny thing is, when we were talking about Red Dead Redemption 2 on an earlier podcast, we were talking about how they weren't bringing in enough people to... We were talking about how... Because of the crunch, people were working, reportedly, 100-hour work weeks and weren't being paid for a lot of the overtime. And they're making $725 million during its first weekend on sale. They can afford to bring in more people. Here's
0: how they can redeem themselves. Everybody gets bonuses for Uh, all that hard work.
1: Yes. Let's see if they do it.
0: (laughs) Hey, that would be amazing. That would be amazing and wonderful Mm -hmm. because... As they even said, the employees that worked in that game, they want people to play the game. People have supported them, and they are playing the game. And so now the company can do a solid by the employees, pay them more. Yes. Give them bonuses. Give them bonuses for their obviously fantastic work.
1: Yeah. I can't even wrap my brain around that number. Nope. That's the GDP of a lot of countries. Oh, yeah. And that is just going to keep selling. I Mm -hmm. mean, you know, this is just the first three days. So imagine what it's going to be like in a couple weeks, in a month. You know, it's going to be insane.
0: Sounds good. So that brings us to, speaking of movies, what we've been watching. First off, I had a chance to go and see The Grinch. Speaking of The Grinch making $66 million over the weekend. So it was very cute. Nice. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. So the first thing to remember about this movie is that Clearly, nothing can compare to the Chuck Jones classic, How the Grinch Stole Christmas. So for those of you who are wondering, how does it compare? It's better just to go in, and this is pretty much nearly impossible, but just see it as its own separate entity. Because obviously they have to add things to it in order to make it a movie. It's 90 minutes long, so you have to add characters that are in the original story, either the Chuck Jones cartoon or the original Dr. Seuss book. But I thought they did a very good job. I particularly enjoyed the design of the Who's. There were a lot of very diverse Who's, which was very exciting and they all looked very cute. I especially love Cindy Lou's mom. We were talking about how in Hilda, the mom is wonderful. Animators are just, on par with just making wonderful moms that you just adore her mom is great i love her mom she's my favorite character in this whole movie and benedict cumberbatch does a very good job as the grinch it's very interesting because it does not sound like him at all and that is to his credit he has a wonderful voice but i really appreciate when especially celebrities when they decide you know what i'm not just gonna bank on my own celebrity i'm actually going to do something new This is an animated movie. I'm going to try something different. So I really respected that he went for it. I thought he did a really good job. So yeah, so I just thought it was a good movie. It was a little, let's see. How do I want to say this? I thought it was a good movie. One of the things that I didn't like quite as much, and this is a spoiler for the movie, so, you know, spoilers are coming, but they give the Grinch a sad, tragic backstory, which... It does fit with the movie. I totally get why they did it. It does make him more empathetic, but as listeners to the show know, I don't care about the villain's sad backstory. I like my villains evil because they're evil. I think that's good enough. You know, I don't want to see the backstory of, oh, but he was such a sad little Grinch. No, 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 He was, he's just, just, just have him be a curmudgeon. Just have him be a curmudgeon. And then his heart grows three sizes, and then he's fine. So that, that's really my only thing. But other than that, I thought it was great. And I want to give a shout out to Asifa. This was an Asifa screening. And it was really cool because Chris Melodondri, who is the CEO and owner of Illumination, was there. And he came out and he introduced the movie, Wow. which was very cool. So it was really cool getting to see him. And he was very excited about the movie. And we were very excited to watch it. So overall, though, I thought it was really good. Definitely worth seeing. And also, I just want to point out, too, that the ads make it seem cynical. You know, the posters and everything make it seem cynical. It's not. It's very sweet. It's a very sweet movie. Minimal, if any, pop culture references, which I really appreciated. So go. Go with your families. You'll have a really good time.
1: Yeah, I'm surprised to hear that he's not as grinchy as the... Mm -hmm ads make him out to be, because, you know, I live in West Hollywood, and going there, there's all these billboards, and when you, actually, when you go into Hollywood, there's a big billboard of the Grinch that says, go back home, like, LA is full. (laughs) (laughs) That's actually very funny. And I've seen other ads like this Mm -hmm. online, and, you know, on TV and stuff, so I thought this was going to be the Grinchiest Grinch of all. No, I would
0: say the cartoon, is still the Grinchiest Grinch. I mean, he definitely... Uh says things and does things that are mean, but not as mean as you would expect based on the billboards that I've seen around town.
1: Did it have a Christmassy feel? Did oh, yeah. it get you into the Oh yeah, very spirit?
0: much, especially oh, all cool. the who's because that whole yeah. thing, they're just like, it's Christmas, let's decorate, everything's <laughs> beautiful. And then they, they bring in the tree and they start singing. And I kid you not, I saw people swing. In the audience, when the Who's started to sing, Gosh. grown men and women—were they holding hands? They were not they were holding swing? hands, okay. but they were swaying. You can't help it, and it just—I mean, I was just sitting there, just mouthing the words, just going, oh, "The Who's are singing now! <laughs> Yay!"
1: How so, was Max? Did they still have the bone on his head they and still all that have, Yeah, okay, cool.
0: Yeah, it's it's good. Max is a great character. Nice. Yeah, so oh no, I liked it. That cool. was very very sweet. I'll definitely have to check that out. Yeah, and then to take a complete turn, I also saw Venom. Yes. Which, you've in this movie before. Yes, we've talked
1: about <laughs> it on the show. Yeah. yeah. So, do you agree with my assessment that it's not actually a good movie, but it's very fun to watch and just, just fun? I'll tell you what, it is the best rom-com that
0: I've seen this year. <laughs> because you have Eddie Brock... He's an attractive boy, he's in this wonderful relation. Spoilers for Venom, okay? So you have Eddie Brock, he's a very attractive boy. He works as a journalist. Of course, yes. it's a rom com. Mm-hmm. He has a beautiful fiance. She doesn't quite understand him, but they get along. But you know, Eddie's sassy and he doesn't play by the rules and he gets fired. But then he meets Venom. And of course, they don't get along and they always just argue and quibble all the time. But gradually, they come to appreciate one another, but then they have a horrible breakup they don't want to talk anymore Mm -hmm. but then when this new guy comes into town they're like wait you're stepping on my turf and then they have to join together and be friends again and then at the end they decide you know what we can make this relationship work (laughs) We're
1: better together. We're better
0: together than apart. And I'm just going, this is the best romantic comedy I've ever seen. This is so great. And he eats people. I'm like, wow, this is
1: great. <laughs> and you aren't talking about the romance between Tom Hardy and Michelle Williams. No,
0: no. <laughs> You're Even talking about
1: the symbiote, the symbiote and, and Eddie, Brock. Eddie
0: Brock. Although I have to say, Michelle Williams was great. Jenny Slate, one of my favorite people. She's great. I genuinely enjoyed every single person michelle williams's boyfriend gets the award for chillest dude i've ever seen because eddie brock is straight up crazy in this movie and he's like hey let me help you let me assist my girlfriend's crazy ex-boyfriend said no guy ever he's beyond like you're a little too nice
1: said no guy ever especially when the other guy is in an aquarium in a restaurant eating a live lobster
0: yeah and then when he starts going to complete spasms i'm like you should be a lot more concerned than you are right now and speaking of concern there is a complete lack of security in san francisco i don't think any office ever locks their doors mm-hmm. which is very upsetting and you live there yeah that's not good to hear having lived there like oh so all the biomedical research labs you just walk right in no security cameras at all one security guard on duty
1: this is not safe <laughs> that's what i was thinking too i was like there are no security camps they didn't like review the footage to find out who broke in there and nope. what they stole no nope. i'm watching this going I have a lot of notes on how they're
0: running their operation. This is not safe. And also, very shatterable glass. Yes. So, here's the thing. You have to go into, like you said, if you go into this movie knowing that it's insane and crazy, you'll probably have a good time. If you go into it expecting it to be Black Panther or Winter Soldier or... You know, any superhero movie from the last decade, you know, that's on a certain level, it's not. It's definitely not. It's super fun, but there's a lot of plot holes, and there's a lot of things where you're like, wait a minute.
1: What? No. <laughs> so are you in for the sequel?
0: Oh, yes. Very much so. I am so looking forward to it, and it was funny because I was with a, hanging out with a Melvin, actually, and so oh, nice. we were talking about it, trying to parse together, like was this this character and was this this character and his other friends was like, oh, well, this symbiote is blah, 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 and this symbiote is blah, blah. Come to find out there's multiple symbiotes yeah. and they're all
1: different colors they're like Power Rangers. Right, Who yeah. do. knew?
0: So I'm like, <laughs> oh, that's so exciting.
1: That's right. Did you stay for the oh, mid-credits yes. scene? Yeah. Okay, cool.
0: Yeah, I stayed for a uh, spoiler Carnage.
1: Yes. Carnage yes. show,
0: you know, and, with Woody Harrelson's crazy, Bad red, wit. curly hair. And he's just like, call me carnage. Arr. It's like, oh, this is so good.
1: He I love like he was... Woody Harrelson, but I don't know. It's he carnage. looked like he
0: was having a good time. Yeah. He's like, oh, I'm in. I know what, see, I think he's the only person in the movie that knew what kind of movie he was in.
1: Mm-hmm. And he mm-hmm. went,
0: oh, I know what this
1: is. Yeah. I'm going to chew up furniture Oh yeah, right I'm
0: going to chew up yeah. this entire scene. There's not going to be anything left. <laughs> Now, did they have
1: the Into the Spider Verse? Yes, they did. Cool. It was a
0: really cool sequence. Mm-hmm. It was very long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was surprised. Yeah, I thought it was gonna be more of a trailer. It's like, no, we're just gonna show you an entire chunk of the movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it looks really good. Yeah, and very, i very can't wait for that. Very excited for that movie. And then, speaking of weird and crazy, you want to talk about what you've been watching? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes, the weird thing I've been watching. I think I'm still in a kind of Halloween mood. So I decided to watch Sabrina, or what's the new title? Oh, it's called The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. It's all right. It's not great, but it looks beautiful. The way they shot it and the characters are all great. The costumes and all the stuff that's going into it is good. And I love looking at it. And I think the acting's good too. I think there's been some people online that haven't, actually like the actress who plays Sabrina but she gives me kind of a Lena Dunham from girls almost a younger version of Lena Dunham in this role and I think she's great but overall the plot is a little convoluted and I feel like they're building the mythology as they go along because at first it starts out kind of like oh this dark church I think they call it the church of night or something it sounds kind of like a cool, fun place that you'd want to go, almost like Hogwarts, like, let's learn some magic. But as the series goes on, there all of a sudden there's cannibalism and murder and really evil things. <laughs> we were talking about this before the show, that the Church of Satan is suing the production company and Netflix, I think, because, first of all, they use the image from the Church of Satan this Statue of Satan with children around him without permission, and also they're saying that they're making Satanist look bad <laughs> that they're making satanists look too evil. but I did get through the whole series so I must have liked you know most of what what it was giving me. but yeah, it's all right. I'll check into the second season to see if to see where it's going because it does leave on kind of a cliffhanger.
0: first question so. My experiences with churches is that most churches, almost every church, has an image of the cross, an image of Jesus. As far as I'm aware, that's not a copyright issue. Every church can have that. So how is the Church of Satan suing Netflix and Sabrina? Is that not the same case? Because I've seen the image that you're talking about, and I feel like that's not an uncommon image. So... Did they create that image themselves?
1: Did they copyright that? How did how does that work? I don't know. I was thinking the same exact thing, but I think it's because it's so specific and because it is a sculpture rather than just kind of a symbol. I think it was if it was a symbol, I don't think they'd be able to sue, but maybe because it's exactly the same. The sculpture of Satan with His hands are in the same position. The children that are around him are in the same exact position. I think they're the same looking children. So I don't really know the legal, but I would think that they must have researched this before they put forth this lawsuit, but who knows?
0: Yeah, and it's also just interesting because I grew up watching Sabrina the Teenage Witch with Melissa Joan Hart. It was on TGIF. It was very fun, very bright with... Little Salem the cat, which is clearly an animatronic cat that cracked wise. And I also read the Archie manga version of Sabrina, which was also very cute, very fun. And so I was going into it thinking, oh, it looks so cute and fun. And then seeing the poster and going, oh, no, this is very different. (laughs) (laughs) This This is more of a horror show, which, I mean, I think is very cool. But just from your description, even more so than what I was imagining. I just thought it would just be more more creepy. I think I was expecting more of a vampire
1: diaries mm-hmm. kind of vibe to it. Yeah. It's very strange. I mean, the mythology, I never watched the Melissa Joan Hart version, but they almost treat the witches like they're vampires, you mm. know, almost like they're just these cool people you know, <laughs> that like, you know, sexy and stuff that they're trying to keep their existence a secret, but that they're very few in number, and they're trying to protect themselves from outsiders because they don't want, you know, the Salem witch trials to happen again. But, and it is fun at first. I did have a good time watching it, but then it kind of gets into... Sabrina starts making bad decisions. Where um. you, where I started not liking the character. Where I'm like, of course this is going to all go down in flames because you're making horrible decisions. Like... You are a smart lady. You're a smart young lady and you are making the worst decisions. So
0: it's not in line with her character then? Not
1: to me. I didn't feel that it was. Because
0: sometimes I feel like I think it's cool when they make bad decisions, but only if it fits in with the kind of person they are and the character they are or the situation that they're in. It's like, yeah, I could see them making that decision if they're under a lot of stress or if this is in line with their opinions and their ideals Mm -hmm. but what gets me is when they make a decision where you're going no you would never do that that's just a poor choice (laughs) right yeah
1: yeah I I think it's more that it just didn't seem to fit with their character where I was like you took this too far Mm -hmm. you know that now I'm kind of not liking the character so yeah but I'll be in for season two at least the first couple episodes to see where they're going with it and then I'll make a decision am I going to stick with this or not Another thing that I've been actually playing is Spider-Man on PS4. I think I might have mentioned this on the podcast when I first started playing it. But two months later, I'm finally finishing it. (laughs) And full disclosure, I got a code from a friend at Sony. So take what I say with a grain of salt. But I love this game. It's definitely in my top 10 for this generation, probably, on the PlayStation. And it's an exclusive. Um, it's just a lot of fun. The the fighting mechanics are really fun and pretty deep, you know. And just slinging around the, the city is so much fun. I know you're a fan of uh, Spider-Man 2, right? The Sam Raimi Very movie? much so. Yeah, so am I. That's one of my favorite superhero movies to this day. I still think it holds up. And this game... The writing's really good, and the story's fun, and it feels like that Spider-Man 2 movie in some ways. Yeah, because Doc Ock's in it, and it's kind of the same thing. He's a mentor to Peter, and you see his whole arc going from mentor to villain, and what they did with him is really cool, and this is kind of its own universe, so it doesn't really fit exactly with the comics, or the movies, or... The Homecoming series that just came out. Or, you know, the Homecoming movie. But it brings in Doc Ock, Rhino, the Vulture, Mr. Negative, and just in this really cohesive little narrative. And I thought it was a lot of fun. So I finished that game and I actually bought the DLC. Because they're coming out with a DLC that's in three parts. And I finished the first part. And the second part comes out I think in the next week or two, but it's kind of a continuing story because at the end of this first piece of DLC it said to be continued and it ends on a giant cliffhanger too. And that deals with Black Cat and Hammerhead. Ooh. And it was just a lot of fun. And I recommend, you know, listeners who haven't picked this up to definitely pick it up if they have a PS4.
0: What is a DLC?
1: downloadable content thank you
0: (laughs) I I learned something new too
1: (laughs) yeah it's just an add-on that you can buy that's not in the normal game so if you like the game and you want to keep it going then you can pick up this DLC and I think then the next part comes out the third and concluding part I'm assuming I think that comes out in December so I finished the game and now they're giving me more sounds cool very smart yeah
0: hey well that sounds like a fun game yeah it's really fun and speaking of other things we love, we love this interview because we're very happy to bring back our returning guest, Crystal Stromer. Y'all may remember Crystal from episode 49 when she was an animator on Nickelodeon's Bunsen is a Beast. She's currently an animator for Unikitty, but for the past year she was also one of the animation directors for Teen Titans Go to the Movies. So Jeff, how did you like today's interview?
1: Oh, it was so much fun talking to her, especially because we both love Teen Titans Go to the Movies. And so hearing some stories about what happened behind the scenes and how she got on this project and stuff is just really, just really cool, you know, because it's a unique situation with her that she came in as a co-director, you know, just something that was already so established with the TV show. So I think it's really interesting.
0: Yeah, so y'all are gonna love it. So we're very happy to present episode 84, Interview with Crystal Stromer, part one. It's great to have you back. Yeah, this is so cool. Last time on the animated journey was episode 49. Wow. The difference a year makes. And now you're back yeah. and you're here. And it's super <laughs> exciting. So what are you currently working on? Because I know that you have done a couple of things since the last time we talked when you were on 2D Animator for Bunsen Beast over at Nickelodeon. Well,
2: I left Bunsen and I went to go work on the Teen Titans, go to the movies. Currently Lee, since that's over, I am animating on Unikitty. Woo
0: oh, yeah. cool. <laughs> oh, That's a really cute joke.
2: Yeah, it's so much fun. And the animation, like as an animator working on that show, oh my God, it's like a dream come true. (laughs) It's just so cartoony and so fun and just like kind of anything goes.
0: Well, listeners, you can hear Crystal's fabulous backstory (laughs) of living in Florida, going to school, coming out to Cali in the previous episode. So make sure to listen to that. But we're going (laughs) to jump right in. So tell us how you went from Nickelodeon to being an animation director We're a major motion picture.
2: (laughs) (laughs) That was a lot of luck and timing, actually. I had ended at Nickelodeon, and I was actually supposed to start over on Unikitty in January. And the producer, Peggy Regan from Teen Titans Go to the Movies, had emailed me and was just like, hey, we're looking for help and we need another animation director. Are you available? And I was like, I'm so sorry. I literally just accepted a job over at Warner Brothers at Unikitty. And she was like, oh, okay. And then I didn't hear from them for a little bit. And then I guess they had kind of talked to the Unikitty people and worked it out that I could join the Titans crew and then go over and work on Unikitty afterwards. So it kind of just worked
1: out, luckily. They must have really wanted you to, yeah. Talk to
2: which them. I'm very excited that I ended up going over there because mm-hmm. I had such a great time working on the
0: movie. That's good. So <laughs> let's back up even farther then. Okay, how did you meet Peggy so that Peggy would know to email you to ask you to um, be part of the show? Years ago, 2008 maybe I.
2: Was was working for a studio called Renegade Animation. They were doing the Mr. Men show for Cartoon Network. So I was an animator over there, and she was one of the producers over there at the time. So I've known Peggy for a while, and I always liked working with her. So I think she just reached out because they were trying to figure out like who would be a good fit with the other animation director, and they thought of me, luckily.
1: Had you kept in touch with her since that time?
2: A little bit here and there. Mm-hmm. You know, I get to run into her every once in a while. Okay.
0: That's good, because that's one of the things that we're always interested in. And finding out is how people connect with other people and good ways to do that that's friendly and professional without being overbearing and knocking on the door going mm-hmm. hey remember me hey remember me yeah nobody <laughs> enjoys that but you also don't want people to forget you well
2: I think we had a really good working relationship and we just really got along and we were Facebook friends so we kind of always had a little bit of connection online and then yeah just running into like at different animation mm-hmm. events just kind of keeping up together so
0: that's excellent so then walk us through your experience being an animation director we've had a few people on the show that have done both TV and film so how was that experience for you it was
2: awesome the whole experience of the movie was probably one of the hardest things I've ever done but also one of the most rewarding it was interesting for me coming into the movie because the animation directors was me and Eric Pringle who has been the animation director on the teen Titans go series since the beginning so this has been his baby so it was interesting for me trying to come in to this thing that's been very well established and working with this guy has been there since the beginning that set the style and trying to basically jump in real fast and get the style and make sure that we had a good working relationship and it was interesting a it lot was, of
1: pressure yeah
2: it was a lot of pressure and it was quite the challenge but that was kind of the good thing about it is that I didn't have time to really overthink anything you just mm. had to act you just had to get it done
0: and then when did you come on because we just saw the movie the summer when did you actually come on to the movie was that last year or was that the year before
2: i came on at so. the end of december 2017 okay so yeah wow. even though it was a theatrical feature we were still working on a television schedule so everything was very fast mm-hmm. we finished the movie june july i think mm-hmm. and then it came out a couple months later
0: when did they first start actually working on it?
2: They started writing about a year, year and a half, I think, before I even came on. Okay. So they had been working on it for a while.
0: Okay. That's impressive that it was done that quickly.
2: Oh, yeah. Because mm-hmm. most
0: animated films take between four and seven years. So how were they able to make a movie in that short a span of time?
2: I think because the Titans crew has been such a well-established crew. They've all been doing this for so long. I think they had that benefit of just being able to jump in and kind of almost just look at it like a long format of the TV show. So I think the boarders and the writers are just really used to a really aggressive schedule. So mm-hmm. I don't think it was really that different from mm-hmm. what they normally do. All
0: right. And you have experience doing animation directing before, yes, you were directing over at BoJack. Mm-hmm. So how did that translate over to working on the movie?
2: I mean, it was pretty similar working from BoJack to Titans. We had, you know, an in-house crew that we were working with. So some of the stuff had changed from when 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 it shipped. The boards had changed a little bit. The movie was constantly a work in progress. So it was interesting. So there'd be a lot of stuff that if we completely changed it, I could just hand it off to our in-house crew and have them do it. And then it was similar in the fact that we had a couple different studios overseas that were working on the movie also. So like BoJack, it was just looking at the scenes, making notes, making sure everything was kind of what we wanted it to be and translating the notes to the studios. <laughs>
0: and then how did you and Eric divvy up your responsibilities. That was... Kind
2: of an ongoing process. Like it just kept changing. Cause like I said, when I jumped in, it was kind of like animation started coming back. It was interesting trying to find out where I fit in and not trying to step on his toes and like us working together as a team. So it was always kind of evolving. We'd sit down and do notes together. The beauty of working with him was that we were looking, we're having two different perspectives on like animation notes. So it was like we'd combine them together and then send them off to the studio. Because the schedule is so aggressive, sometimes I would take a chunk of stuff and just approve it or I'd just be like okay these scenes are ready for approval and hand it off to him and just be like if they're ready to go just approve them the movie was such a blur
1: <laughs> <laughs> I think that's interesting mm-hmm. working with another director that's cool that you're bringing both notes together and then coming out with something unique mm-hmm.
2: yeah I really liked that I never worked with Eric Pringle but I've known him for years he's worked in flash television animation for so long and he's been kind of known as the flash guru so I was very excited to work with him so it was was interesting seeing like what he looks for he is the lip-sync master there's stuff that the minute he sees it he's like oh this is wrong he can tell you the frame the mouth and it's just like it's incredible you know and he's right every single time you're just like how do you do that how do you see that Technically, he's just so great. So it's like I got to learn a lot of stuff from Mm -hmm. him. But for me, I look for other different things, especially like acting is my biggest thing. So it was just the two of us together, I think made a really good team because there's stuff that like I'd point out that he wasn't looking for that I'd miss and he'd see. So it was great, especially doing something on such an aggressive schedule. It was great to have somebody because I don't think one person could have done that job. Yeah, it sounds
1: pretty overwhelming.
2: Yeah, which is why I think they brought me on to begin with because what ended up happening too was that everything came back at once
1: the approvals from overseas or yeah
2: so like because we had four different studios working on it Mm -hmm. and they all just came in at once so it was like to try and get the stuff get the notes out get it translated get it out to the studios and then get the in-house team rolling and then Mm -hmm. so it was just like a mountain of work like all at once
1: were they still working on the tv show at the time too yes they were yeah
2: so and that's part of the other thing too is that Pringle was still doing notes and directing the show Mm -hmm. so there was stuff that he didn't even have time for that's also why they brought me in that's amazing yeah the fact that they got that done is a testament to that crew that I think that that was probably one of the hardest working crews I've ever (laughs) worked with Mm -hmm. that was very impressive Yeah. like everyone from the borders the designers the background oh man the background artists were just they get some stuff done
0: done so fast
2: it was incredible
0: that's amazing yeah usually if there's a movie it's two crews Mm -hmm. or they'll stop Mm -hmm. the show bring people to work on the movie and then once the movie's done they bring them back and then they start the show up again so to have it running simultaneously is amazing yes (laughs) a lot of work yeah so what was if there was one what would you say is a typical day for what you were doing would you say monday you would review notes from here to here network executive notes or this Animation Studio notes, like how was the day to day like?
2: It changed throughout the whole process. In the beginning, it was very much just come in, sit down, review what had come in from the studios try and get the notes out get them out as the movie went on as the schedule went on and we got everything back and got the notes out then it was more trying to plus stuff as much as possible so there wasn't really a typical week because like I said one week it would be like we'd have oh five minutes of the movie came in we have to get all the notes out review all of it and get it out by this date and then sometimes it would just be like three days of nothing of just being able to focus on what was going on internally Mm -hmm. you know and then it was like once we started getting a bulk of stuff. then compositing came on so it was like just trying to work with comp getting stuff to comp what they needed to make sure you know so then it was kind of animation and comp working really closely together if they saw something that was wrong or they needed certain shots to work on because they needed to get lighting passes out so it was interesting Mm. because it was constantly evolving.
0: Okay. So I'm not super familiar with compositing and okay. comp so I'm going to ask okay. for my benefit but also <laughs> the benefit of the listeners. What is that and what does that entail?
2: I would say compositing is like they do most of lighting a shot. Flash and After Effects is a really great marriage of stuff. We did it on BoJack where it's like if you saw the flash files and then see the lighting pass that they do it's like night and day. It's amazing how much it's changed and that's what they did on the titans movie, so like lasers or special effects or fire just changing the mood of a scene changing the lighting balloon man in the beginning he's got distortion effects so when you see him everything's distorted through his body mm-hmm. so they would do that yeah they did a lot there's the whole sequence where Slade's talking about his like master plan it kind of goes into his mask and then it's all like this kind of glowy really stylized animation mm-hmm. that was all done in after effects just again like moving graphics cards
1: there's that scene where they're on the big wheels, the Back to the Future sequence where they're oh, going yeah. through time like there's a lot of effects and lighting and stuff yeah.
2: that's going on in that too. Yeah, too, yeah, when the streamers come uh-huh, out yeah, the time streamers cool. uh-huh. come out and they're glowing, yeah, and the, like the effect of them whooshing off screen right. like and trailing, yeah. They
1: weren't rad enough yet. Yeah. <laughs> I
0: love that sequence yeah, so, it was so much. Good. It's it's good. It I it that and too. them just going back in time.
1: <laughs> messing with the DC universe. Oh my gosh, <laughs> that
0: <laughs> so much actually that leads into another question i had which is while you guys were looking at the animation putting in your notes were you all adding gags as well Were you changing the timing of things because you mentioned that you were plusing it wanting to make it better yeah
2: we were definitely adding jokes as we were going along you know either in the animation acting or there was actually a whole sequence that we got back that i remember sitting down with my director pete because it wasn't really working it was just not real funny and he was just like i think we have to go back to boards and I was just you know I'm super stressed and that's not something you want to hear at that Mm. point but it's like sitting down watching it and I'm like I can't argue with it. If you think this will be better then we have to do it because it's okay but it's not you know we're making a movie like we want it to be funny and at the end of the day it worked so much better. The animation not only was funnier but just the ideas and the jokes were funnier so everything was constantly changing but I think for the better it made it a much better movie.
0: Did you ever find yourself when you're at home and you're lying in bed and going, wait! We can do this! And then coming in the next day going, I have an idea. Yeah. <laughs> i <gonna try> <laughs> I'd have, like, dreams about the movie. <laughs> when did that start? How, far, how many months into it before you just start dreaming in, like, Teen Titans vision?
2: Oh, I think that was, like, three weeks into the movie. <laughs> oh,
0: <okay. laughs> One of the
2: spreadsheets we were using to track the movie, I had like, a dream that I was trapped in the spreadsheet. <laughs> oh, no! <Wow. laughs> I, like, woke up and I was like, no! <laughs> but, yeah, and then the music in it too, would just get stuck in oh, your head. Yeah. So like that was another thing that was just like constantly.
1: <laughs> Are you now dreaming in cubes and shapes of? <laughs> oh yeah, <unicating>? yeah. <laughs> you, just, you just find yourself like singing along
0: yeah. in the grocery store. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've always wondered about people who are working in film, because television, you get a couple of weeks, maybe a couple of months, and you're done. So if it's great, it's great. If it's okay, it's fine, you have another one. But with the movie, because you're with it for so long, how does it stay fresh so that when you watch it, you can tell yourself, I know this is funny, even though I've already seen this 50 times, I'm gonna trust that this is still funny or still interesting by the time this gets shown to audiences.
2: I think with this particular movie, I loved this movie. I just thought it was funny. And I was afraid of that, because by the time the movie premiered, I'd seen this movie like 50 times already, like start to finish. But I think again, that was a testament to the crew that we're working with, because it was like, if I didn't know if something was working, I could ask my director, I could ask the other animation director, just run it by even the people around me, like some of the compositors or other animators. Because especially as an animator, I know that you look at something too long and sometimes you don't know, because you're just like overthinking it. So it's like just running it by other people. If they laugh, if they say it's good or whatever, then you're like, okay, you know, I trust the people I worked with. So it was like, if I was ever doubting myself, then they were like, it's cool. And I'm like, all right, cool.
1: (laughs) Did the studio do a lot of test screenings for it to see how audiences were going to react?
2: They did do a fair number of test screenings.
1: Did you have to make any big changes or edits?
2: There was like a couple small things that came out of them, but I don't actually think there was anything too major. Luckily, everyone seemed to really, like from the beginning, seemed to really gravitate towards it which was great especially for something like titans which it's kind of a polarizing show because of the original titans
1: it's funny that you say that because i remember when the trailer hit yeah. and everyone thought it was so funny even a lot of the naysayers and some other podcasts or whatever that had said some bad things were like actually this could be really good yeah the trailer is Amazing, I bet that was a relief.
2: (laughs) Especially because when the teaser came out, Mm -hmm. it was funny because we didn't have a lot of animation, I think, at the time, you know, and it was like the teaser was just like a big, long Bart joke and a (laughs) lot of people actually didn't like the teaser. And I was just like, there's so much more to this movie. And then when the trailer came out and people were like, oh my God, yeah, I think I might actually want to go see that. It was Mm -hmm. just like so satisfying. Like, yeah, Yeah. I can't sing enough praises to everybody on the crew, in-house, out of house everybody you could tell they really cared Mm -hmm. about making this movie so it was really exciting you know when you work that hard and you put so much effort into something Mm. like you hope people will respond to it and go see it and the fact that people got really excited about it was just like okay cool
1: when were you able to relax it must have been such a nerve-wracking experience the whole whole process yes (laughs) when were you able to stop dreaming about it and (laughs) just let it go and be like Oh, it's at, Was it after it released? When the trailer hit? Was it before that? I think or?
2: it was like a month after it released. Oh, wow. <laughs> it was, well, because it's interesting. One of the major differences that I had going from television to feature was that we did the movie and then it just stopped. Like it Ooh. was just like, it's done. You hit a wall. We were all there and then the project was over. We're like TV, especially being an animator, you know, I'm always kind of one of the last people to go. So it's kind of like the slow death of a project where everything kind of ramps down and winds down yeah and this was just like crazy till the end <laughs> i think the last night i was there I was there till like one in the morning oh <laughs> and i was the first one to leave and then it was exciting i remember the first time i saw the credits roll and i was like in the studio watching it and I felt like such a dork because i was like oh my god Chris just so excited because i'm like i know all these people <laughs> but it was like such an exciting feeling and then the reviews started coming out and we were all kind of nervous because again, like we worked so hard on it. Like then it premieres and then when the fans started talking about how much they loved it or started posting stuff on YouTube, the credit scene or they really loved this scene or this musical number, it was just really exciting to see. So I think yeah, about like a month after, I was just okay. I'm good. I'm done.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I've often wondered about reviews because I don't read reviews for our show. I know a lot of them are very good, but I'm just like, no, I just don't want to know. <laughs> just it exists it's out in the world it's great I've moved on now so for you like were you reading the reviews were you like no I'm hearing from my coworkers that it's fine that's great I'm good
2: I don't tend to read a lot of reviews most of the time but for this I was a little obsessed with rat and tomatoes <laughs> for this cause it's like you'd see the score like it would be really up and then it would go down and go up and down cause like we had a hundred percent for a while and it was like oh, wow. wow so some of the reviews were actually really funny like the people that didn't like it did not like it <gasps> oh, <my laughs> there was this one reviewer he was not a <laughs> oh. it was not amusing at all it was devoid of joy
0: <laughs> <laughs> sorry it was three sizes too small.
2: but you know it's one of those things where it was like you can't take them too seriously I mean I'm glad that we got a lot of positive reviews out of it but people will either like it or they don't like it and again like Titans has been on for such a long time they have a great fan base they also have a bunch of people that just don't like them <laughs> which is also funny to read <laughs> read their comments sometimes <laughs> I think
0: one of my favorite parts of the movie was the challengers of the unknown oh, yeah. because we're watching going are these real yeah. are these real characters and then at the end because we went to a screening at the end the guy behind me super funny guy he stands up and he goes I just have one question challengers of the unknown does this exist and then the director was like yes it's real and everybody in the audience just went what yeah. and then this guy in the very back yelled yeah it's a real comic I used to read and we're like what well, you dude? Yeah. It was amazing. <laughs> I
2: remember talking to my director about it and I think that was one of the most exciting things for them was to go through the universe and be able to pick out these things. So it was like that and one of our favorites was like Detective Chimp. That like he like shows up just you know, he's not really featured but he's like walking through the studio or he's just sitting in the audience and he's just like, Oh Detective Chimp and They were just <laughs> able to like comb through and find all these weird, obscure superheroes wow. and just put them in this movie. And yeah
0: the movie, watching the movie yeah that was fun just like oh look it's miss martian oh look it's black canary oh i don't know who that is yeah. but i know the real i so wouldn't be there
2: yeah they were they were really fun i really want to do a detective chimp swamp thing like spin-off Ooh, movie. Thing.
0: <laughs> the director mentioned that too he's like that's what we need to do next yes like, <laughs> and the designs on them are
2: so fun like swamp things design is just it's
0: so fun I think that could be a really good series of shorts you know just Mm -hmm. have a bunch of shorts culminating in their own series
1: it seemed like you guys got away with so much especially at the expense of the DC universe and DC (laughs) in general I was wondering if there was any pushback from DC or Warner Brothers like hey we don't want you messing with those (laughs) characters like that specifically there was a Batman joke I don't want to spoil because it's one of the best ones in the film when they Um... go into Crime Alley and and just some of the commentary on the MCU versus the DCU, there were some funny things, and Stanley, that was hilarious. Oh, yeah, Stanley. <laughs> but did you get any pushback from DC or Warner Brothers?
2: Not that I know of. I came on, you know, after everything was kind of boarded, so mm-hmm. I don't remember anybody telling me that there was. The Batman joke that you're talking about, I think they were maybe wondering if they did pushback on that, <laughs> but it went through, luckily. My favorite is that you just get the screenings you just Hear the laughter like trail into the next scene. People <laughs> you know, yeah. are just like, What? <laughs> as far as I know, I don't think so, but there might have been in the beginning. Okay.
1: Well, <laughs> even if there was, it's amazing what you guys got away with. Yeah.
0: My favorite, and I will say this for the podcast so you guys can skip ahead, but the fact that Nicolas Cage voices Superman yeah. and then Robin yells, You can't do that to Superman! He's a <laughs> national treasure! <laughs> like, Oh! <laughs> nice! <laughs> <laughs>
2: good one, DC. <laughs> yeah, that was a great line. Hats off to whoever wrote that line. The fact that we got Nicolas Cage was amazing. Mm-hmm. I guess his son is a huge Titans fan, too. He I, loves comics. He's a small part in the movie. His son, Kellel, is a young Bruce Wayne. Oh, Yeah, so he's got like a line or two, but yeah. it good was, for him. Yeah, it was so exciting to like get him. I remember my director was just like, we're getting Nicolas Cage. I was like, no way. <laughs> <laughs> it was just like... I think everyone was just like.
0: <laughs> also, he was supposed to play Superman, yeah, the Kevin Smith mm-hmm. movie. So it's yeah. like, hey, look, you finally got to do it. Yeah, congratulations. And I think
2: that's why, from what I understand, like my director, they were like trying to figure out who it was and seen the documentary about the Superman. But Nicolas Cage, yeah, he's just like, oh, Nicolas Cage, like just throwing it out there. And The <laughs> fact that they was just like, okay, we'll see. And Then they got him. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, I'm game. <laughs>
1: look of Nick cage in the oh, superman outfit like with mullet? the mullet yeah. <laughs> that
0: was, that was super- hey, yeah that was that was 90 super that was all right we yeah. all have those photos that no one will see
1: because
0: <laughs> no social media thank you
2: <laughs> but yeah there's a lot of things in the movie that i'm really excited that they got the aha song was not originally the song i think they were going for but that worked out i think oh, yeah. perfectly <laughs> with the time cycles <laughs> <laughs> like i remember like as soon as i found out about that i was like <laughs> you know, especially as an animator, my age too, like growing up, that was one of the music videos that I remember oh, watching God. on MTV and being like, what is this? Mm-hmm. And that was one of the things that got me into animation, as most people in animation I think saw at the time. Was oh yeah, like...
0: I remember that video and thinking. That's so cool. yeah It's like kind of cartoon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah. And it was like half cartoon where they're looking through a window so mm-hmm. part of it's kind of yeah, yep. live action and yeah. part of it's animated.
2: It's that like kinda so going amazing. around, like uh-huh. goes aside. Yeah. yeah, it was just that was so cool. Oh, it's so cool. Yeah. I think I appreciate a lot of that stuff about the movie was mm-hmm. that There's a lot of that stuff in it. I think for the people that were making it that were just Yeah, I think that would be really cool. Mm-hmm. I don't know if younger kids will get it, but adults will get it. Yeah. And I think that's part of the movie is that you it seemed like parents enjoyed it as much as their kids did, which I thought was a really good thing to do. You want parents to enjoy the movie. I
0: think that's smart. <laughs> I'm not a parent but I have a lot of little cousins. Yeah. And it's much more enjoyable when you can go with your family and it's... everyone
1: likes it. Yeah,
0: and Because, I mean, yes, you want them to like it and ultimately maybe it's a movie specifically for them but it's a slog yeah. if it's a movie that's not geared for all ages and you're sitting there and it's just a bunch mm. of multi- Colored things on the screen and you're just going (laughs)
2: okay (laughs) that was the thing i saw a bunch of screenings with some audience like a pre-screenings and it was really always interesting to hear like the reaction in the theater of stuff that the kids really liked and then like that adults would really laugh at Mm -hmm. and you know that both would like so that was really fun
1: were you surprised that some of the stuff people laughed at were you like oh think they would think that was that funny or I thought
2: they would think that was more funny or... I think the sequence for me I think because it wasn't my humor and mm-hmm. it was meant for little kids but when they're in the Teen Titans movie set and they're talking about like the fake toilet and everything uh-huh.
0: <laughs> yeah. oh I know how you see the toilet yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah and they're like I'm in the toilet and I remember just being like I don't find this that funny but like kids love it yeah. and it was one of those things where I'm like this is for kids so like every time I see that with like an audience and kids just lose their mind with that. So it ended up winning
0: me over. (laughs) I
1: laughed pretty hard. (laughs) <laughs> I'll admit that, yeah, I found that hilarious
0: <laughs> what I liked about that part was Robin's reaction to them because he yeah. was just <laughs> yeah, freaking out he's like no no no
2: my favorite thing in the movie are I loved all the background signage and mm-hmm. stuff and my favorite thing in the movie is I don't know if anyone ever notices it but Robin runs out of the theater there's a little poster in the background that's like Aquamanity <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah
0: <laughs> is and it's just this
2: little manatee dressed up as Aquaman. <laughs> and it's my favorite thing.
1: <laughs> yeah, I thought they were like these fake movie posters yeah. kind of in the hallway. Yeah. 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 <laughs> That was great. I need to see that movie. I know. Oh I God. was
2: big. I was just like, please give me out Aquamanity. Yeah. Please.
1: At least a
0: short. Yeah. It's
2: just yeah. something. A, Getting a, fake right
1: to... <laughs> a fake trailer. fake trailer for
0: Aquamanity. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be like that, uh, what was it, Robert Rodriguez, Quentin Tarantino, how they had all the fake trailers oh, and they yeah. ended making oh, yeah. Much- yeah. was one of them. Yeah, they yeah. ended up yeah. turning into a movie and <laughs> a sequel, which is a good, good sequel. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I have a question for you regarding coordinating with the other studios. Did you end up going to any of the other studios as well, to, like talk with people there or was it all through um
2: no i did not it was all through warner brothers one of the studios copernicus is also the studio that does the series so i know they've been up there and met copernicus and they know copernicus Mm -hmm. snipple i think also has a relationship with warner brothers so we've met one of the representatives from snipple but we didn't really have time to go out and meet the other studios okay
0: I was just wondering like how that works when you have different collaborations, if it's okay, we're gonna go here, we're gonna go here. Yeah. Here or what?
2: It was mostly just talking to the other studios and just making sure Again, like, they had a relationship with most of them. Mm -hmm. And then there's parts where there's a couple changes of animation styles. Mm -hmm. So that was, again, like, just kind of talking over the phone or meeting, but never really going to the other studio.
0: Did you have any say in the animation styles, too? Because I know that's a thing they already do in the show, but were you, like, (laughs) contributing to that as well? Or was it more of just making sure that it's coming back, looking in the style that you wanted it to be? It
2: was making sure coming back. The different styles with those particularly, like, the stop motion... And the traditional ones, one of the traditional ones, the Lion King sequence was animated by one of the in-house animators, Hike Manukian, who is incredibly talented. He animated that whole thing. Wow. Ah. Yeah. The Lion King sequence, that was all Hike. Yeah, he's an incredible talent. You know, Benji Bricks and Hornet, I believe, did the My Movie stuff. And that was great too, but I didn't really have a lot of involvement. That they kind of just, you know, my director, I think, was more involved, but they also did an incredible job with that. And Matt. Max, who did the stop motion, my director, they originally, I think, wanted to go in a different direction. They were going to do it digitally, but then he was just like, oh, stop motion. So he really dealt with Max to do that stuff.
0: Stop motion is no small feat.
2: Oh, you think 2D takes a long time?
0: <laughs> ha ha, try
2: this. Oh, the stop motion in it is so charming. Mm-hmm. They do it in the show all the time, so I'm glad that they really did some great pieces for the movie, because that great. makes it so much fun. I've always loved that they do that. <laughs> they do weird breaks in style. <laughs> just They're not afraid to be a cartoon. The past couple projects, I've been very lucky to be you know, going back to really cartoony stuff, but like I remember in the beginning of my career where they're just like, they don't want overshoots they don't want smears they don't want this it's just like not cartoony at all and it wasn't quite as fun as an animator or like this is just like nope we're not going to apologize you know you're watching a cartoon and you're not going to forget that you're watching a cartoon
0: and that concludes part one of our interview with crystal special thanks to crystal for being a wonderful guest and if you've enjoyed today's interview make sure to leave a five-star review in itunes all of your reviews help more people to find out about the show and you can also support the show by visiting www.theanimatedjourney.com and clicking on the PayPal donation button on the right-hand side. All of your donations help us to pay for the technical costs associated with running the podcast. And to see what else is going on in the world of animation, make sure to check out our Facebook page at facebook.com slash journey. On Tumblr, the site is theanimatedjourney.tumblr.com. And on Instagram and Twitter, the handle is at animjourney. And Jeff, where can people find you?
1: People can find me on Tumblr and Twitter at Jeffbot, J-E-F-B-O-T. And on Instagram at shootzee, S-H-O-O-T-Z-E-E.
0: And you can see what I've been up to lately by visiting my website, www.sketchysoul.com. On Tumblr, the site is sketchysoul.tumblr.com. And on Instagram, the handle is at sketchysoul. So that does it for today's interview. Tune in next time when we present part two of our interview with Crystal. And until then, be encouraged and have a great day, everybody.